0: Whoopsie. It's, uh, it's it's really lovely to be back here. Um, I didn't... I thought I'd announce it or at least give my thanks while I'm up here because it's a lot easier than just doing this twice. But uh, I just want to thank you all for, for your prayers and for the card and, and for those who have thought about me whilst I've been gone for all this little period of time. Um, I... Yeah, it's, 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 it's been okay, but I realize how much I sometimes take for granted this little community that we have here at CLF, and and not having you actually makes a big difference to me, so I just wanted to thank you, um, and you take a lot of things for granted. One of the little things I took for granted was sitting, so next time you guys sit down and you make that noise where, you know the noise like, ah, just think how blessed you are to be able to make that noise when you're sitting. <laughs> um before we before we get into this uh this morning's message i'm just going to read one verse and we'll have uh, a prayer before this message and the verse is found in proverbs chapter 16 verses 9 and it says the human mind plans the way but the lord directs the steps The human mind plans the way, but the Lord directs the steps. Let us bow our heads in prayer before we go into Word. (laughs) Almighty God, we thank you, Lord, that once again you you bring us here together, Father, and you bring us here together because you want us to learn from you. I thank you, Lord, for, for all that you do for us, that we have a little community here, Lord, that not only confesses with our mouths that you are Lord, but with our lives as well. I thank you for the grace that Christ has given to us, that we have freedom to meet here, to learn from you. And I just pray, Lord God, that people leave here encountering the living God and with a message in their heart from your spirit, Lord. I thank you for all that you do for us. In your precious son's name, I pray. Amen. Amen. So, another year has passed. A few more gray hairs, maybe, maybe, maybe a few more wrinkles, but no matter who I talk to, they always say, "Wow, it's December," or you know, whatever part of the year. Just, just how quickly time goes. Now, often at the end of a year, we see people starting to reflect on the previous year, start evaluating their lives. It's like the end of a year just does something to us. It just, just starts making us think about about who we are and what we've done and, and who we want to be. And often what I hear is people are never happy with themselves towards the end of a year. And sometimes it's little superficial things like, like the most common one I hear. I'm not happy with, what is it? My weight. <laughs> Even though people look perfectly fine to me, but where it's like we're conditioned to not be happy <laughs> and not be happy with what we have. Well, are you talking about me? <laughs> I, I was looking at you, but not purposely. <laughs> <laughs> and then the crazy things follow. The diets, we've all been there, and they last a couple of months. Um... And we're so determined at the end of the year for the new year to start redefining who we are. We start to make goals and plans to, to become some, something else. And with that comes New Year's resolutions. Now, a New Year's resolution is a tradition that re- revolves around change, changing an undesired trait or behaviour, accomplishing a general goal or otherwise improving, uh, you know, your life. Now, New Year's resolutions are not necessarily a new thing. It's something that's been around for a long time. Now, in, um, in Babylon is where they think it probably started about 4,000 years ago. So they were the first ones who have recorded to have celebrations to honor the New Year. Um, but it was done around mid-March. When, they, when their crops were planted and they had a 12-day massive religious festival and they crowned a new king or reaffirmed their uh, their reigning king. But what they also did is they made promises to their gods and they paid debts and returned anything they had borrowed. And if the Babylonians kept their word, their gods would bestow favour on them for the coming year. If not, they would fall out of God's favour. And then we see in Rome, Caesar actually established the January 1 New Year's Day um, as the beginning of a new year and named it after Janus, which is one of their, one of their gods. He was a two-faced god who inhabited doorways and archways um, as, a, a, as a symbol of going in and out, believing that Janus looks backwards in the previous year and then ahead to the future as well. And so the Romans would also offer sacrifices to their deity and make promises of good conduct for the next year. And for early Christians, the first day of a new year became also a traditional occasion of thinking about one's past mistakes and resolving to do better in the future. But despite these older traditions, we've made it something new. Instead of making promises to gods, Make resolutions to ourselves and focus purely on our own self-improvement, and we usually make a lot of New Year's resolutions. And I think it's safe to say that they don't always. The success rate is quite low. The goal may be too big, big, or the motivation just tapers off. Natalie and I go do classes at the gym, and January and February are the most annoying times because they are the most full. And you can't get a spot or you can't get equipment. And so we look forward to about March, April because it goes back to the core group and we're back to normal. So today I don't want to so much look at New Year's resolutions. But I want to look at planning in general as Christians and even as non-Christians. Planning is what everybody does in their lives, whether you're a Christian or not. Being New Year's, it's a good time to evaluate our plans especially if we're making new plans. And there's a particular story I want to look at today when it comes to planning. And it's a well-known story with a really strong message. And that's found in Genesis chapter 11, 1 to 9. Up there is NIV. I'm going to read from the NRSV. Um, But it's a story of, of Babel. And it goes like this. Now the whole earth, had one language and the same words and they migrated from the east they came upon a plain in the land of shinar and settled there and they said to one another come let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly and make brick for stone and bitumen for mortar then they said come let us build ourselves a city and a tower which with its tops in the heavens and let us make a name for ourselves Otherwise we shall be scattered abroad upon the face of the earth. The Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the mortals had built. And the Lord said, look, they are one people and they have all one language. And this is the only, and this is the only the beginning of what they will do. Nothing they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language there so that they will not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of the earth, and they left the building the building of the city. Therefore it was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth, and from there the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of the earth. So prior to chapter 11, we have the flood with Noah, and it had ceased. And Now we have the people. Now, these verses, verses 1 and 2, they set the story for us. And the Old Testament writers were very good at telling stories and setting the story. So we have these group of people, and they speak one language, and they come to this land, and they settle there. So we have a people with a strong bond through their language, their culture, whereby everything is familiar, it's safe. And they find land and, and settle down and want to preserve what they have. Now in verse 3, the people express their desire to build. Seems like, seems like the logical thing to do when relocating. You want to settle down, you want to build shelter. Uh, if it's a larger group of people, you want to create a culture, a society, so to speak. And then we go into verse 4 and we see, we see the motivation for building this city. Now, the people want to build a tower to the heavens and to make a name for themselves. Otherwise, they will be scattered. There is this fear of being scattered. They want to remain strong and and put together. doesn't sound so bad. But humans fear the future, and we fear what the future brings. And in turn, what happens is we try to control our futures very tightly the results in making plans for ourselves to secure what we have, is exactly what the people of Babel did as well. Now, the key to this story is not necessarily the the building, the structure, but it's actually the motivation of the people and the existence that they are trying to, to create for themselves. Now, they want to make a name for themselves and secure their own future. They want to build security around them with this city. And this becomes a problem to God. One where he feels he needs to actually come down and intervene. The plan to build a community that is isolated from the world is not God's intended plan for his people. Because in Genesis 9-1, God blessed Noah and his sons and he said to them, be be fruitful. And multiply and fill the earth. God commanded that the people scatter and multiply. But they do the opposite. We see that the motivation of these people is to build a tower as high as the sky. Now the sky being heaven, the home of God. By wanting to control their future, this tower symbolizes the people wanting to become like God and make a name for themselves. Which contradicts what God wants for them, and that He alone makes a name for Himself, and He alone establishes His own people, and makes them great by His own doing. And the people try to take force, uh, take take by force divine control of their own future. If their if their tower is godlike, then they can rest in their own godlike tower for their security which is not God's original plan we see the people of Babel hatch their plans and start putting it all into motion it wasn't just a news resolution that was going away they were set to do this and God sees sees this and he comes down to inspect what they're doing now in verse 5 the Lord comes down to see the tower that they have built we see that the people's plan to reach the heavens of or God's realm is obviously not possible. God has come to come to see what, what is built. Now God knew that they couldn't reach Him; it was impossible. Hence, why He comes down, just like throughout other pe- uh, periods of Scripture, where where God has to come to the people because we are unable to reach Him ourselves. So God comes down and has a look at this tower. Now, in the same way as believers or as people, when we make plans, God God comes down and inspects our lives too. We build our our lives as we see fit. And we want to build this glorious structure for ourselves or God. But we are subject to divine inspection. No matter how you build your life, it is under the watchful eye of the Creator who weighs and examines our motivations. So, after the divine inspection of Babel, we see that human plans are not God's plans. In the same fashion, our plans and life we build may not be what God is planning for us. So, in verse 6, God inspects this society and he analyzes it. And this is the only, be- and he says, this is only the beginning of what they will do, says God. Nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Now, is God not happy because people can achieve greatness? I don't think so. Now, is, is God? does God feel threatened? I don't think so either. He doesn't feel challenged by this. But he has a problem with what they're doing amongst themselves, which then in turn reflects their relationship to him. Now, God says... To Adam and Eve, don't eat this fruit. And what do they do? They eat it. God says, multiply and scatter. What do they do? The opposite. We're constantly seeking autonomy from God. It's like we're pushing away because we're just afraid of what plans he has. And in verse 7 and 8, God delivers his judgment on the people. And he confuses their speech. It's not like the previous judgment before where he flattened the whole earth with a flood. But he confuses their speech because his plan is not to destroy them, but is to enact his initial plan. And this obviously makes it hard to to coordinate their building when they can't understand each other. And then the Lord scattered the people, and they left the building. The story of Babel speaks about the pitfalls of human planning. When when we begin to plan outside of the will of God, then we ultimately meet disaster in one way or another. And the disaster that we meet is not necessarily one that is tangible all the time, but the biggest disaster that we meet is severing ourselves from God. And we almost do this instinctually as human beings. We seek to be the master of our own destiny. We seek to build this tower that reaches the heavens and shows our greatness but we don't always realize that this tower, no matter how great it is in our eyes, it's, it's always insignificant to what God, how God sees it. Now you might say to me, well, Tibor, this is just a big picture. You know, I'm just, I'm just thinking about simple resolutions. I'm just thinking about little plans here. And my goal today is not to stop you from making resolutions or plans but it's to show you the pitfalls of planning, especially when, when we plan out our lives completely. Because we're taught in this society to rely on ourselves and, and build our own plans. And this message that we hear is, is just contradictory to what we're taught. We're taught to look for, for, for fulfillment in our, in our lives from the plans that, we've, that we put together and once we fulfill certain plans we add more plans and more and it's a never ending cycle of no fulfillment and we often use new and we use new year's resolutions to do this as well but what god wants to do is establish us himself when we plan our future often our true desires come out and our heart is revealed to us When making our plans, we're always seeking to secure the future. But how different would our lives look if our only plan was to allow God to plan for us? And even when we cannot see what these plans envision, uh, cannot see what they may have merit in our lives, that we still trust it. In James chapter 4, verse 13 to 17, James says this, Come now you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a town and spend a year there, doing business and making money. Yet you do not even know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wishes, we will live and do this or that. As it is said, that is, As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Anyone then who knows the right thing to do and fails to do it commits sin. We might put so much out of our energy into our plans for the future. And we may not even see the future that we've even planned. For James says in in verse 14, How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like a morning fog. It's little here, it's, it's here a little, and then it's gone. We can invest all our time into a year from now. And we may, we may not even be here at that time. But James says, this is what you ought to say. If the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. James refocuses the mindset of planning in, in our lives. It's one where God leads us so that our lives are built not on us, but on Him. And not on our futile desires, but actually the will of God. David sought, King David sought to build a, a massive temple for, and he did this out of a loving heart for God, and God says no. He had good intentions for his plan. Apostle Paul, he wants to go to Asia and the Spirit blocks him. He had good intentions. We might have good intentions for our plans, especially as Christians, to serve God. And we pray hard to see see these plans fulfilled. And yet we may not see them fulfilled. And then we get disappointed at God for not fulfilling my plans. But that's because... They, these are our desires. And it's not always God wanting them to be fulfilled. You see, Christ came to disturb our plans of life. And I know that's sometimes that's not fun for a lot of people to hear because we naturally lay out our lives how we want to see it. And it's not a power struggle that, that Jesus wants with, wants with people, but he wants to establish us in his city, And he wants us to have the real tower that truly reaches the heavens, and that being himself. Unlike the failed tower of Babel built on on human attempts to reach God, Christ is a tower that, that doesn't fail to reach the heavens and carries us directly to the Father. Now, Babel is a failed human plan of guaranteeing security and salvation, and their plans offered no certainty. They thought it would offer certainty, but it didn't. Just desire for what they wanted. They sought to be their own gods and a source of their own protection in the, in the world through a statement of strength, through a strong city. Their plans involved a big tower to rely on. And for them to be their own saviors. But Christ seeks to be that tower and saviour for us. God's plans offer certainty. And that certainty is not always a life that we may understand. Or we may not know everything that's going to happen in life under God's plan. But the certainty is that His plan doesn't fail. And as an invitation to be a part of that plan. Now, God's plan has always been to lead and build his people and have a and have joy through their this relationship with him. Now the people were told to scatter, and God had to scatter them himself. And we see in Acts during the time of Pentecost when and the Spirit came down and everyone learnt the gospel in their own languages, they too had to scatter because the the message can't stay in one spot. That's not God's plan. It was it was for when for the Babel for people of Babel to scatter, as it is for us to scatter as well. Now, as the new year begins and we start to make whatever plans we want to make, let the story of Babel be a reminder that divine will trumps your own will. Whether you see it or not, it does. It is a reminder that human plans are ultimately futile. And they don't guarantee any certainty in life. I know looking at my own life and how many plans I've made and make, some either come to fruition but don't offer, don't offer me the satisfaction I thought they would, or some just fail. But James teaches us to say, if it is the Lord's will. Babel points to Christ as the one who secures our salvation. This is the nature of discipleship, Christ leading his followers. He did it with his disciples, and they had no idea a lot of the times what was going to happen. They even got frustrated. But Christ had the ultimate plan for what was going to occur. And sometimes we're asked simply to follow and trust in God's plans. So as you make your plans for yourself, the biggest question you need to ask yourself is this. Are you a part of God's plan for you? And I'm not talking about a vocation or a calling, but I'm talking about the bigger plan are you a part of God's plan of salvation through Christ? Because from this bigger plan, you will find security in all the little plans that you might make. Proverbs 16.9 The human mind plans away, but the Lord directs the steps. May the Lord bless his word. Let us just bow our heads in prayer as the band comes up. Almighty God, we thank you for your message, Lord. A message that teaches us to trust in you, Father. To trust in the plan that you have. And I pray, Lord God, that as we go forward, no matter what little plans we might make, that they don't define us. But ultimately, you define us along the way. We thank you for your son, Christ, who is that tower, who allows us to reach to you and have communion with you, Lord. I thank you for all that you do for us. I pray for each individual person here, Father, as I do for the church in general. That as we go into the new year, we're not fearful of what it holds. And that our plans don't define us, but we focus on the truth and the message of the gospel. I pray, Lord God, for our building. And I pray, Lord God, that your plans come to fruition through that. I thank you for all that you do for us, Father. In
1: the precious Son's name I pray. Amen. Thank you, Tibor. Thank you for your uh, message this morning. Um, I just wanted to say that I'm certain that God um, spoke into many, many hearts uh, this morning through your message. But... I do want to share that I was on a walk yesterday. I love going for my walks because that's my time with God. Um, And this verse came to my mind so vividly. Um, And I'm hopeless with Scripture in the sense that I remember certain passages and promises um, and phrases, but I can never remember where they're they're from. So I was just repeating it. We establish steps. We establish steps. I know that God... um, uh, sorry, we, we plan, we plan, but God establishes steps. And then I Googled it as I was walking and and probably immediately forgot that it was in Proverbs. But this is such an awesome way um, for that message to be cemented this morning. It's so cool when that, that verse came up on the screen. So amen to that. I hope that we can all plan to not plan and just wait on God to speak to us um, through the Holy Spirit every single morning. Just continue to recommit our lives and our days even Um, to, to Jesus, thank you.